Hey there, welcome to ATLM 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We are recording on a Thursday night in between uh, the Hawks win over the Phoenix Suns and uh, back-to-back in Utah and Denver. Uh, Glenn, I guess maybe we should start with, has has Dylan Brooks ever punched you in the nuts? Uh, no, thankfully. Um, I mean, reason number one, I'm glad I never, I was never good enough to play in the NBA, you know, was, uh, I, I probably would have been more, maybe, uh, you know, my prime, um, if I'm not still in my prime, <laughs> would have been more of a Chris Paul risk for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't enjoy that. I mean, I tell you, Kevin, like I say all the time, I don't root against anybody. Some guys really test that value of mine that I, I, I try to live with. And he's one, he's one of them. I, I can see that. Um, but, but before we leave the topic, uh, to, to broaden it way, way out, um, who, who do you like in the Western conference? Like which team do you think is going to come out of that hot mess? You know, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, I want to say that if the Clippers can get healthy, that um, I really like their chances. Uh, I think they, I think they need to make a move, probably more than any other team because Zubac is he's really good, but he's going. There are going to be some situations where he can't play in the in the playoffs, especially a deep playoff run. Right, and they just don't have anybody else. You know, I mean, they're a perfect. I, I don't want to see the Hawks trade John Collins, but they're a perfect John Collins team um, if they could kind of figure something out. So, you know, but I mean, who knows? Like, is Kawhi gonna, you know, uh, be reliable? You know, reliably available the rest of the way? Same, you know, kind of same with Paul George. So, you know, to me, it's like I know when at the beginning of the season we both kind of like the Grizzlies. I like the Pelicans. The Pelicans lost ten in a row. I like now. the Pelicans too. <laughs> <laughs> that looked great until ten games ago. I know, like talk about a team that like seemingly like has to make a move. Um, um, and and Memphis, to Memphis to me, and this isn't just because of Dylan Brooks, but I just feel like they have to reach another level of kind of professionalism. They get like really amped up around like um, uh, talking trash and just kind of getting into kind of unnecessary aspects of the game, like all the time. Um. Yeah, and they're a fun team. Like I, I generally enjoy watching them play, except that one guy we already mentioned. You know, I don't enjoy it as much. I'll say, but um, you know, I, you know, Phoenix. Um, I mean, they played not even one second of defense against the Hawks the other night. So they they seem like they're in a funk, and it seems like well established that year two with Chris Paul, year three with Chris Paul, as great as Chris Paul's career has been, no doubt Hall of Famer, but it's it playing with him is a grind, you know? And that you wonder watching that team, like if if they're just kind of worn out, you know, from how hard he is uh, mentally on his teammates because he thinks the game is such a high level. Um, so, I, you know, if, if, I, if, if I had a little better kind of uh, – you know, read of a crystal ball on like what the health status would be for the Clippers. I, I kind of like them, but then, you know, you know, they seem like that, you know, Ty Lue gets kind of frustrated with his team, you know, kind of, kind of now and then, but 
And you talk about a team that can kind of throw a lot at you and has like good defenders and good secondary creators like Luke Kennard, but they need another option at the five position, I think, to really be be a serious team. But that's kind of how I see it. What about you? I don't think Dallas, I don't think Dallas is a serious threat at all. I didn't mention Denver. Um, I wonder if Denver defensively is going to be able to hold up uh, with Jokic playing like 37 minutes in the postseason. They tend to need that from him. And so I I love um, Mike Malone. I love Jokic. I love watching that team. I thought they would finish like seventh or eighth this year because I didn't. I thought they would miss Monty Morris. I thought the moves that they made kind of took them away from kind of what they would need, and I wasn't really sure what to expect from Jamal Murray. I'm still not sure how much Michael Porter Jr. helps you in the postseason, so I was a little down on them. But I've been thrilled to see them exceeding. I, I just don't know if I still see them as a team – that really can make a deep run, except for the fact that the field is so wide open. So I put the, if healthy, I put the Clippers at the top. I'd roll the dice on the Nuggets, kind of having a, a better shot than I thought they'd have. Pelicans have fallen off. I think the Grizzlies have to grow up a little bit. Uh, to me, Dallas is not serious. Like the Lakers, even though they've been playing better, not serious. Um, Minnesota? Phoenix. Yeah. Um, nah, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of connections to Minnesota, and I just think that they have way too much to work out with Rudy and Kat playing together, and and it's getting late in the season for that to be something they can accomplish in time. To me, anyway, that's my rambling. What what are, what are your thoughts? How are you seeing the landscape out there right now? I'm I'm pretty close to what you said. Like the the Clippers. I, I like that. Do, do they need more like point guard play? Like, I, I don't know, but I, I think that they're sort of the most complete team. Uh, I'm not ready to get rid of the Pelicans yet. Uh, I think I'm with you on a lot of the unserious teams being unserious. You know, I, I think this could be a special kind of Denver year. I don't think they're as good as their record. I think that, you know, there are questions. I think they get some sort of unfair home home court advantage in the regular season that doesn't hold up as well in the playoffs. But, you know, I I believe in Aaron Gordon. Like, I I can see him being a a big-time playoff contributor. You know, you get to the second round, the conference finals. Like, I I could see him having some some big, big impact. So, yeah. You know, I'm a, and I'm a huge Jamal, Jamal Murray guy. You, I'm a real believer in him. I just, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, right. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. And yeah, I think that's it. Maybe Golden State. Like I, exactly. <laughs> you just, you just never know. Like, so I, I think for me it would be sort of Clippers, Denver, and then it seems awful to pick like the ninth team and the tenth team, but that's sort of where I am with the Warriors and the Pelicans. Like it's, it's wide open, and those are two that I think. Could have turnarounds. Yeah. Yeah, I think if Golden State um, could avoid the play-in, get a little better seed, you know, that doesn't seem likely to me. I think I think I just think there's going to be too much of an uphill battle for them in terms of the physical effort it would require to them to kind of get all the way through. Yeah. But, I mean, what, what we know is that they know the formula. They know <laughs> what it takes, right? Yeah. And I mean, last year I I didn't think that they would have enough. And but what 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 they showed me was that they still know exactly what it takes to kind of get that done. And that's true. Ever bit as true right now as it's ever been. Um, does it does that mean they can kind of 
you know, get themselves through the kind of the physical toll there. Um, I'm dubious, but it, it, nothing would shock me. And nothing they accomplished would, would shock me because of just that um, that experiential knowledge they have around what it takes to, to pull that off. Yep. I'm, I'm with you on all counts. I'd love a Philly. It's not, it's not going to happen, but I'd love a Sixers Nuggets finals. That would be so fun. Oof. Okay. This not gonna happen though. Uh any any big takeaways from Hawks Suns? Well, I mean the Hawks made three point shots. The Phoenix didn't. Um on the rewatch, the Hawks were better on defense than I thought they were. Um they they, they lost I mean they lost eight and over and over um on the first watch, but on the second uh, when I rewatched it it wasn't uh, I mean, Phoenix was executing good passes to him. He was sealing yeah. well. It, they, they were good team tendencies and principles and stuff like that. They were just making some good plays. Um, um, but uh, and I mean, Phoenix just played no defense. I mean, like literally zero. And I, it's, I, it's funny. I when I see that, uh, the first thing I always do is go back and look at like what's their schedule been like the last two weeks, you know, yep. just like when the Hawks were in Charlotte, we talked about the fact that it was game six and nine days and there were, there was travel in between each of the first seven games of the nine, I think. And Phoenix seven and 12, which sounds hard, but like, that's not, that's, that's, I think that's pretty normal, you know? Yeah. Um, except for the fact that, we're into February. I think everybody's ready for the all-star break and teams are just kind of hitting a mental wall is what I would think. Um, but, you know, when, when I watched again, I was like, did, was it that bad from the very beginning of the game? Like, or did they get tired? Like with four minutes to go in the first quarter, you know, did they get worse? It was terrible from the first possession. <laughs> it just, there was no effort, no communication, no connectivity. And you know th- that's not to say the Hawks didn't do good things on offense. They moved the ball. They you know spaced out well. They made the extra pass. Uh, Trey was um, making the right plays and getting his teammates shots that were available. Um, you know they started with um, uh, McCall on him, and and historically that's the type of defender that would bother him. But he just kind of uh, became a facilitator and initiator for other guys' shots. In the second half, he started to really kind of bring it back to himself um, and things like that. But it's hard for me to like take much away around like, how does that inform what I expect in the next two games? Uh, just because Phoenix was that bad. Yeah, that, that seems fair. Uh, it's I, good. Think it was... I mean, I, it's great that DeAndre was making shots because he's, he's, it's been rough offensively for him since he came back from the break with the asthma issue, you know, bogey made some shots. And Yeka made a three-point shot. <laughs> did do you know? Did he did he get the offensive player of the game? I think it was just uh I think everybody got sort of player of the game, and that was sort of the, <laughs> the group photo. Okay. That I saw, had I saw everybody with the holidays the in it. Or what, yeah, I know. So I, I imagine the holiday brothers were fighting over who was gonna take the picture and ended up, you know, not in it. <laughs> I came up with, but uh, in the picture, AJ was holding one of the. What do they do? They call that a medallion. What do they call that? I, I would call it a medallion, but I'm not sure what the official yeah. title is. I'm sure there's a, a slicker word that the youngsters use that's not coming to mind for me for for some reason. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, 
hopefully it's like kind of a lift for the Hawks, a game where, you know, some guys can see some shots go in, a fun moment like Anyaka making his first three-pointer. And uh, Nate was really excited about that postgame. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I've yeah, I have no idea what that was. <laughs> that was like you bought AI at Costco and asked about Onyeka's three pointer. <laughs> it, it was such a weird, uh, you know, can't be excited I, for the kid. I guess. Yeah, right? the tenses were kind of mixed up, and I don't even know what it meant. Really, it was like didn't one thing he say like I? It's been a long time since I've seen him make a three. <laughs> yeah, what was? Let me see what the exact phrase was. There was one phrase, and I didn't understand if he had the green light, he didn't have the green light. Or he had the green light because they were up by a million points. That was seemed to be like a hinted in there, maybe. We have allowed him to take that shot tonight. I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> Either. I, don't I still don't know what it means. Because it's like you pass participle or something like that, and it sounds like He's had the green light for a while, but he did it tonight. I, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I can't even. It's it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> I have a question for you about defense. And okay. you, you, you had one observation, too, that I thought was kind of interesting, sort of related to it. But like in that Phoenix game, I was kind of worried. It just seemed like when Bogey was sort of low man on the weak side, like more than once, you know, trying to get to the rim to to do something, you know, with Aiton. And, you know, it just seemed like he was not effective in that position uh, on a number of occasions, and I thought that was concerning. It is concerning because the one thing that he typically always brings is the, the team defense, right, the organization and the awareness and stuff. Like I, it, it's, I, whenever he watched it, I couldn't figure out, like, why he was struggling with that. I, I, I do know that sort of like J.C., Aiden is really fast from the point of the screen to the rim. Um, yep. And so maybe, so maybe he was just not factoring for the fact that he had to get there earlier, you know, Yeah. and those guys that are quick. Um, but I, I couldn't make any sense of it even on the rewatch. So, you know, that's atypical for him. I thought the funniest game play of the game was, I think there was um, second quarter. Uh, he just didn't get there at all. And Jalen, kind of tried to get there from the strong side, which is not how you're supposed to play that. And Jalen was like, you know, upset with Bogey for not doing his low man responsibility. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's good that, good that he recognizes it. Yeah, there were just some that were like, I don't know. It was like, he he seemed like frozen. Like, I, I can't really speculate, but it's like, Maybe he didn't want to foul or something, but it's like he didn't move in any direction. Like he didn't go back to his original shooter. He didn't go towards the role man. He just didn't go. Like it was like, oh, yeah. okay, I don't know. But it's at the same time, it's like, you know, I think it was a topic for last pod. It's like, well, what's the offense supposed to look like when Trey's off? And I think more and more the answer is, hey, play through bogey, play through bogey. Like that's yep. that's working for the Hawks. And it's and it's working for Dejounte too. It's getting him kind of yeah. um, a little bit of leverage, you know, attacking, and that gives you more continuity between what Dejounte's asked to do and Trey is on. You know, I feel like you know if you look at their offensive performance from an offensive rating perspective, it's been on the increase for a little while now. To be a part of that is that Dejounte has a more kind of um, more continuity in his role between when Trey is on and off, and Boki helps make that happen. And it's which is. It's kind of a little funny to me because 
a lot of people I hear from are like the Hawks need to move bogey if they can. They they need to have to get off his money for next year. Um, you know, and it, it just feels like people are kind of ignoring like the Hawks are finally maybe heading back towards kind of being the offensive juggernaut they've been for the last few seasons. And a big part of that is uh Bogey really helping DeJounte when Trey is off, you know. Um so yeah, that's not to say that uh, Bogey's kind of decline with the knee surgery and everything and, and the his contract next year that he'll surely I, I think surely opt into that option he has for next year. Right. But, I mean that's not to say there's no justification for trying to get off that money if you can do it in a way that helps you in some way. Um but you know if if the goal is to try to build this team up, it's like that's to me that's not the move that really kind of helps you right now unless you can get a, a surprising return. Yeah and you know, if you look at, you know, what DeJounte did in January, it's like, well, he had a really good month and his shooting numbers were really good and it seems a little bit unsustainable, but at the same time, his shooting numbers are are going up. And, you know, with the exception of, you know, instances like Portland where he can kind of take over because just Trey's not in the game, period. Right. But like he's playing off the ball more. They're playing more through bogey. They're playing more through Trey. And, you know, he's more consistent as a three-point shooter when he's playing off the ball, I think. Like when he's on the ball, I think it's harder for him to to be a consistent three-point shooter. It just kind of simplifies things for him where, you know, he can get these catch-and-shoot threes that he's more comfortable with. And, and those, those look pretty good. He can kind of step into it and kind of funnel it towards the rim. And, and he's pretty, you know, he's been really good for at those for the last month or so. And I think it just leads him to a better rhythm. And it's not like he has to always shoot them because sometimes it's just a seam that he can attack because that's what they really need. But, right. you know, if they're going to take away that seam, he's he's been a consistent shooter to punish it. Yeah, I mean, another thing too is just that I think when he was having his wor- in his worst stretch of shooting that's when he was like really forcing things and, and turning the ball over a lot. And to me, like if I imagine a guy who's like really struggling to kind of get to his shot, dealing with all the defensive attention, you know, his tendency to kind of attack one on five in, in a way, you know, at, at times, especially during the, the rough stretch that he had. And then just the turnovers, just like, that's, that's a lot to deal with mentally and try to still try to maintain some sense of confidence and rhythm and what you're doing as a shooter, you know, to me, and so I think, you know, wherever that adjustment came from to kind of play more through bogey, I think has been, um, you know, hit the nail on the head for kind of what they needed to do to have more continuity uh, offensively. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the fact that they can keep their top eight, nine, whatever number, you know, healthy and available that I, I, I think they're still a pretty good team, you know, we're six to, I guess, still like a, a not quite a full week down to the hour uh, for, around the trade deadline. It's going to be fascinating to see if they if they make a move. Yeah, uh, it, just before we leave the subject, like you you mentioned, you know, early in the season where where Dejounte was, uh, you know, falling into a lot of turnovers. Like, I think again, you know, it's just a little bit more simpler for him when. He's either, you know, just the point guard from the get-go when Trey's not there or he's playing off Trey, playing off bogey. Like, the last three games, he has 23 assists and two turnovers, and it's like, 
<laughs> there you go. Yep. That'll do. Like it, and, and a lot of those assists are the simple passes. That it, it not yeah. not trying to make that you know hard, low bounce pass that yep. you know, the Hawks bigs aren't used to getting and stuff. Like he had a great pass to AJ in the corner last night. They were only like eight feet apart, maybe ten feet apart. Um, but it's yep. just like a little handoff to to his left there in the left corner, and AJ hit that shot. It's like I I think that's the the ideal blueprint for him is is. You know, seeing a, a defense that's overcommitted uh, to the strong side, the ball getting to him, and him just making a, a fairly simple play. He's so quick, and and he has you know so so many good physical tools um, that I think sometimes simplifying is is something that's going to um, help him. Where um, Trey can do so much, Trey's skill set is so much more dynamic. Um, yeah, um, and, and sometimes when you put a guy next to the dynamic guy who really excels when things are simplified for him that that's a, a pretty good formula and I, I think that's what we've been seeing for the last bit here do do we have any idea i mean i think the hawks are in a pretty good place like they they beat okc they beat phoenix i thought the games against portland and the clippers you know were reasonably well played uh yep. just portland played well the clippers played well i mean some, sometimes that happens but like do we have any idea why why Jalen Johnson didn't play? Like, does no versus Portland? The only thing I can think of was that Portland plays a lot of three guard lineups, and maybe Nate just felt like they couldn't keep him that he would have been like on ball like a lot in that game, which he's he's done better at. Um, but I mean, maybe they thought Dame is just going to seek him out all the time, you know. Um, so the three guard lineups Portland plays is the only thing I I came up with. I still don't agree with the the move to not play. I think he needs to play, get experience, build reps, even you know be thrown into situations where there's some adversity there. I think he's shown a lot of maturity and growth this year around when you know things haven't kind of kind of gone so well. But I he he was awesome against Phoenix. You know, I mean, right. it's funny when when you watch him. You know, when I watch him, I, I, I kind of think, you know, he almost deserves to be on the court just for his rebounding. He's such a good rebounder, right. you know, that even if he's not giving you really anything on offense, that like his rebounding, especially when he's on with Anyeka, is so valuable, you know. Um, and and then, you know, a little more ball handling when Trey's off, you know, that hit-ahead pass, he, he hit um, a rebound turn and push two dribbles i think it was and basically a 65 foot or whatever pass it was to neka who was rim running and you know posting up whichever smaller defender he had down there and Jalen saw it and executed a boom immediately you know and so there's just there's too much potential for him not to be playing for me right now but i guess portland the only thing i come up with is like they played a million three guard lineups and um and they just wanted to play smaller I just thought he could have played more versus the Clippers in a game where, you know, you you need somebody to like Kawhi. Like I don't know, right. just that was that was kind of a head scratcher. I know Alas. they've been going, they've been going to they they went to bogey against Shea and that worked well, and they went to bogey yeah. against Kawhi, and um, Kawhi made shots all night no matter who was guarding him or how they were guarding him. He was though yeah. he, he was just on one, you know. Um, but I mean, Nate still kind of goes back to his veterans, you know, and it's not like that's a, just a on its face ridiculous idea because 
um, like like we saw, like Bogey knew exactly the distance to 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 give Shay, and Shay just couldn't get past him. Um, and then, you know, Shay doesn't have a ton of kind of side to side wiggle, and you know, uh, Bogey kind of can deal with that. You know, um, as long as he gives Shay enough space that he's not going to kill him with the first step, you know, then right. it, you know, that that worked, you know. So I, I still wish Jay would get more opportunity. Um, I feel strongly about that. Um, but, you know, Nate's Nate. So it's going to be hit and miss probably the whole rest of the way, I would think. And, I mean, it's funny. Some of the conversations I've had around the Hawks in the deadline is that it wouldn't take much for the Hawks to make a deal that gives Nate one more person to play in front of Jay, which I don't want to happen, <laughs> you know. So we've talked about what we think sort of should happen at the deadline now that we're a week away or whatnot. Do you have a feel on what you think is the most likely thing to happen as opposed to what you would wish for? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people say, you know, they need more offense and I, and I, and they, they, they'd be well served to have another a point guard ish type player. Um, but if you think about like adding like a real offensive player, like how are you going to get the ball in that player's hands? You know, I mean, they're just not the the usage is just not there for another kind of dominant offensive player to come in. If you can get a, a shooter, like a spot up shooter, a catch and shoot guy, uh, great. You know, if you can add that, that. But to me, it's to me the priority is to get someone who can replicate some of what DeAndre does on defense, because when DeAndre doesn't play, they have almost nothing at the point of attack, um, and you know. DeAndre's struggled to to you know remain consistently available. I hope he's turns the corner any any at any time now and, and becomes a guy who's you know he's learned how to maybe manage his body. Um, and that's not to say he doesn't work at it, but just I think sometimes it takes time to learn your own body in that sense and what it takes to kind of manage yourself through that. But that uh, just a defender behind DeAndre is is that's what I'd look for. Okay. I'm intrigued. I mean, DeAndre's played 42 games out of what, 50? What's the record here? 52, 42 out of 52. That's yeah, that's good. That, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I think you know, you just you hope it continues for sure. You know, for sure. But like, even it was like watching Phoenix last night. Like it was like Monty Williams, um, like decided to cut i don't know who knows what he was thinking obviously i don't know but he threw a lineup out there with wainwright and uh saving lee and damian lee and another defender that i'm forgetting about i guess Sharch was out there um another kind of wing defender that i was uh, i'm kind of oh a koji a koji yeah yeah and uh and it was like, man, like the Hawks could use two of those guys as a depth piece, you know, <laughs> on their roster. I I love, a, a, you know, a Kogi, you know, uh, he has some offensive challenges, but, you know, that's, you know, he, he works hard. He sets screens. He tries to be helpful. He cuts um, and stuff like that. And he's just a great, you know, team player. I, 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 I you know, I recall putting a clip out from the playoffs last year Um where he wasn't playing, uh, I think it was that Memphis. Uh, it was that Memphis series when he obviously he was with Minnesota last year. Uh, is that right? He was in Minnesota last year, still right? Yeah, that seems right. I mean, it was um, either last year or the year before. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm kind of blanking on who he was playing with last year, but 
But basically, um, the team had lined up incorrectly to rebound a free throw. And you're supposed to put two, you know, the 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 defense should have two rebounders on the on the same side as the best rebounder, biggest rebounder, the offensive right. team lines up, right? And they had it backwards. And from the bench, he hadn't played a minute in that series. And from the bench, he yelled out to the player that was above the three-point break on the side where there was just one rebounder and said, they told him, don't block out this uh, box out the shooter, go all the way down and help on the rebounder. It just, and you see him do stuff like that all the time. He's really smart, really heady, really prepared. Um, and it, and even if it's like eight minutes a game, like he'd give them, you know, a, a physical presence on defense that could, could be out there when Hunter's not there. And he's not the only guy. It's just he's, you know, a little bit of recency bias of having watched him play, you know, a good bit in garbage time, you know, last night. But that's the kind of guy that comes to mind that could be an affordable, easier get that could, you know, make a difference to them. So that's that's kind of what I have in mind. Very good. Anything else you want to shoot out there tonight? I got one question for you. So, oh God. <laughs> no, I, I, I'd be interesting to hear your take. So, JC and Clint both are on the surface seem a little less active, kind of in the area of cleaning up plays, like on the inside and at the rim. Um, and my suspicion is that they, you know, especially JC and Akongu through that stretch where, J, where Clint wasn't playing were just in foul trouble nonstop. And to me, a lot of that had to do with the fact that their point attack defense was so bad that Akongu and JC were having to catch guys kind of coming full speed, you know, right at the rim. And it's next to impossible even for the best defenders to kind of really deal with that. But just a little less activity. And so, so my theory is that the Hawks coaching staff has basically told their perimeter defenders that you guys can't just, can't just lean on Clinton, JC, and Yanyeka cleaned up everything behind you because this is going to put us a get our bigs in foul trouble and b put us in the bonus all the time so that you guys have got and give to... up offensive rebounds too exactly exactly and so i mean and i put a play on where j you know jc cleaned up the play you know last night but they were walling off the the drive a lot better last night in fact they were doing it so well that a few times they lost ayton you know off the ball um but they were making it a priority to kind of keep the ball you know uh, uh out of the paint and and I just think they're doing a better job, and I, I don't think it's John being less active or Clint being less active. I think they're um, being put in a bad spot less frequently now. But I'm I just curious if you're seeing that too, and if you've noticed that, and if, if so, like what do you make of it? Um, I mean, it seems reasonable. Uh, I'm still a little bit worried about just Clint health wise. Like I don't. He had the one game where he had what, like, do you have was it ten offensive rebounds against Portland or something like that? Right. With a lot of them coming on the same play, but it doesn't seem like he's got the same sort of vertical, the same sort of vertical burst that he usually does. Uh, as as a cleanup defender, so I wonder if that's factored into a in, into. You know what's happening for him if you know if it factors into what's happening for the whole team if they're cognizant of it that they need to sort of <laughs> cherish what they've gotten him All right um because you know you want to have that that best version of him where he can clean up stuff in the playoffs but maybe you know you you can't count on that for an an, an obscene number of games but 
I guess we'll have to see. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's, I wouldn't, I don't feel like it applies as much to John. Like I, but I, you know, I have to go back and, and dissect the film for that. Yeah. I, I mean, John was really flying around because that was out a lot. Right. Um, and I still remember that Pacers game where Nyeka was having to be up at the level screen the whole game. And John was, looked hurt to me. We talked about that. And they had no chance when John was off the floor, just absolutely none. And even though he was, you know, limited physically, it looked like, um, and stuff. So, but I, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to keep watching that uh, as they play Denver, he will be a challenge in that way. Uh, Jokic right. is going to drag Clint away from the rim and stuff like that and see you know, how much they can hold up there. Utah, you know, has, a, I think a surprising amount of offensive firepower for to maybe the people who don't watch them very much. Right. You know, um, I mean, Jordan Clarkson has made himself into a really nice player at this point in his career. And, you know, Mike, Mike Conley is Mike Conley and, you know, kind of kind of go on and on and on from there. But I think, I think this stretch, Utah, Denver, New Orleans, Phoenix is one where, you know, they, at this point, they'd have to go 20 and 10 the rest of the way to win 46. I think that would probably get you in range of the five seed probably the way that the East is going. Right. You know, the 2010s seems like not super realistic to me. Um, you know, so I think 17 would be a great number for them, a great, a really good number for them. Um, but that probably that puts you on the bubble probably for seven instead of six. Yeah. You know, so man, they need all the all the help they can get. If they can swing a trade that helps them, gives them a little bit more depth in the right way, then that'd be great. But um, you know, if, if they're gonna create less work for Clint and JC and then Yeka, I, I think that helps them, you know, if that's happening and if it's happening, if it, if it sticks. So I, I'm intrigued to keep watching that, that area. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Clint's smart enough that he can kind of manage, you know, he's, he's shown over the last couple of weeks that when teams try to go super small, he can dominate. But you know he can kind of manage through the other times as well. Like he's he's a pro's pro. Yeah. It's it's quite a luxury to have him. Yeah. There just aren't a lot of players like him across the league. Like just he's he's really rare. Like I don't, he's good. he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> like I don't know. It's it's just I, I still can never get over the fact that they're just. You you would think that there are more players in the league that can kind of do what he does, and no, there aren't. They're just not. You just look across the league, and it's, you know, who's going to rebound both ends, block shots, really, you know, really be an, an ultra rim protector, and you know, just a good teammate to boot, like and, and work his butt off of yeah screens for his point guard. Yeah, he's just he's such a good teammate. Like he just does not turn the motor off, like. Yeah, the screen setting, you know, he's not going to cry for the ball. He doesn't pout. He doesn't sulk. He just goes and does stuff. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people are going to be mad if we don't mention Trey not making the all-star team. I don't know. Oh, that's I, I true. Know we gotta, we, I know we got to probably gotta get out of here here in a minute. But oh, um, yeah. to me, was it a snub? No. Do I think he should have made it? I do think he should have made it. I think he's more deserving of, for example, than DeRozan. Yeah, that's why uh, he's not going to pick. Um, and you know, 
Um, and yeah, you could have an argument about Julius Randle, you know, for sure. I mean, who's had a phenomenal recent, you know, month or whatever it's been. And I mean, in my mind, everyone who made this team is deserving of being an all-star, but right. I would have had Trey ahead of a couple. I, I think he should have been on, but I'm not surprised he didn't make it just because I think sometimes, um, you know, stats are, are kind of what people look at maybe last before they make the final decision and his shooting numbers aren't worth where they normally are. So I thought he should have made it, but I'm not surprised he didn't make it. I don't know if you have a different view. Yeah, I think in in the abstract sense, like I, I think he deserved it more than DeRozan. Uh, you know, you have to consider where the votes come from. Yeah, when you get to this round, it's it's a vote that's coming from the coaches. I don't know that Trey has endeared himself to coaches across the league. So, right. um, you know, that that is what it is. And, you know, um, there are more all-star games in his future, but this year it didn't happen. I think part of it was just, you know, first impressions. I think people looked at his stats after a month, after two months, and it's like, ooh, yeah, what's happening there? And, they, you know, you don't see it on the comeback like, hey, you know, what do you do in December? What do you do in January? Like, he's yeah. he's playing unbelievable ball now, and, you know, I, I think he deserves it, but you look at the average and – you look at all the factors that go into it and logically it sort of makes sense that it should go to what it was. Yep. Good luck league with putting that chip on his shoulder. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> all right. Have a good night, Glenn. You, you too. Bye.